What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three guys with a newfound fear of basements with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and hotels are 100% the only way to go from now on. I'm Keith Baker, and I hate that my name was in this movie. And I'm Austin Terry, and I had to delete Airbnb from my phone after watching this movie. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people probably will. Uh, on today's show, we are, of course, discussing the new much-talked-about horror flick, Barbarian. But before we get to that, you know, we've already mentioned Airbnb a few times. Do either of you have any interesting Airbnb stories? I have one. Um, my wife and I were in Keith's homeland of New Orleans, and uh, <laughs> the Airbnb we were staying at on the site was listed as entire place, meaning we should have had the whole building to ourselves. Uh, but turns out this guy's version of an entire place was just a back room attached to his house. So we never <laughs> met him, but we could hear him milling about in there while we were in the back room and walked in through the backyard. Ugh, that's mm. like this movie. That's scary. <laughs> um, I don't have any like crazy Airbnb stories, but when I was in New Mexico with a couple of buddies, we did a road trip over there a couple years ago. We stayed at some like hippie lady's place and it was like in the middle of nowhere. And it was a two-mile-long dirt road to get to her house. Nope. There was no uh, bathroom plumbing for the toilet. So right next to the toilet, there was a, like, a, like a trash can full of sawdust. You had, you had to take like a scoop full of sawdust and put it on top of your shit like a cat. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're basically just using a litter box at that point. But the shower, the shower had plumbing though. So I was like, "Why can't you just yeah, do plumbing for I the, think they were lying. <laughs> the toilet?" <laughs> yeah, they were lying about that. Um, <laughs> they just have a fetish for sawdust and shit, I guess. Um, I feel like I've only had like good Airbnb experiences. I did one time get really drunk with friends when we were staying in Fort Worth, and I woke up in the bathtub naked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's your fault, though. That's not Airbnb's fault. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't have any bad experiences. I only have <laughs> stuff that I've done. Whenever we all regrouped and we were all hungover and miserable the next day, that we were just like, what happened? And they were like, yeah, no, you just said that the bathtub looked comfy. <laughs> so you grabbed a blanket <laughs> and went to sleep in it. I was like, all right, that sounds good. And we can't, we can't neglect another great Airbnb experience that was ruined almost immediately when the three of us all went to Arkansas, where Austin already lives, but we, Keith and I joined him there, and we stayed in a very nice guest house together because we wanted to hang out. Um, we also ended up seeing the Batman together, and we recorded in person, still the only time we've done that. But when I say it was ruined immediately, I say that because Austin's truck only had doors that were like... <sighs> I, I'm not very familiar with trucks, so it's basically like we... Austin's driving, and then Keith and I are both sitting up front, essentially, because there's a middle It's a three-door truck, but the back door was broken, so right. the only option for us was the front bench seat. Which, it was comfortable. Like There was enough space for us, but it was just so embarrassing whenever we got to the Airbnb, and the owners were like working on something in the garage, and they basically had to watch us like a clown car, <laughs> like the three <laughs> of us, get out like the same door. <laughs> just laughing at how goofy that must have looked and then they watched all three of us just like march in a line into their guest house <laughs> we were like probably thinking what are they doing <laughs> oh, make me laugh we've gotten our airbnb stories out of the way so we should head on over to the movie because i think it's pretty safe to say you could kind of build this as like the airbnb horror movie so to speak um i don't want to say too much about it though because I think this movie's getting talked about quite a bit. Um, even if not everybody out there loves it, I think it's at least worth checking out. So I definitely want to make sure we stay a non-spoiler here as usual. Um, but yeah, I did look at the logline for the movie. And here's all they say. <laughs> Barbarian follows a young woman who finds out the home she rented has a dark secret. So I'll try not to go uh, beyond it more than that. But this is an exciting one, guys, because... It's a movie that kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like movies that have good word of mouth are some of the most exciting to see. Austin told Keith and I that this one might be a fun episode, and we were like, oh, I haven't really heard too much about it. So we just kind of went into it pretty blind, and I'm excited to get into our thoughts. And we already talked about something like 3,000 Years of Longing um, a while ago, and how that was kind of a mid-budget movie, and how those movies might be disappearing. This is on the lower end. This is a cheap movie. $10 bucks to make. We'll see if it uh, is... Another instant kind of low-budget horror classic. So, 
I'll just quit the rambling because there's really not much I can say about this one. I don't want to spoil anything. So let's just get into it. Austin and Keith, let me know your non-spoiler thoughts on Barbarian. Yeah, I think this will probably be our shortest non-spoiler section we've ever done because I firmly believe the less you know about this movie, the better, especially if you're going to see it in theaters. Um, So I'll just say I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think it's not only a good horror movie. I think it's also just a great movie in general. This is probably in my top like five movies of the year so far. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, it's a thrill ride in theaters. It's very scary, but then there's also a very uh, interesting mystery to keep you going. So I can't recommend this one enough. I think everyone should go out and see this one in theaters for sure. Yeah, I'm probably just going to copy you on that, Austin. I don't want to say too much either, but uh, same thing for me. I uh, I thought it was a great watch in the theater, like you said. Good combination of horror, thrill, and some comedy kind of thrown in. Uh, the cast was fun, and the overall story and like the ideas that they you know, implemented in this is something we haven't really seen too much in, in a, in a horror flick, I guess they kind of add some modernity in it, but yeah, I don't want to say too much. I I just want to, I'm excited to jump into it with you guys and break it all down. So I, I liked it a lot. I think it's definitely, like you said, awesome, probably in my top, top five or 10, uh, for the year as well. Yeah. I'll agree with you guys as well. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Had a blast. Um, like you said, Keith, I mean, it's kind of what you hope for when it comes to horror movies in general. I think that genre is very easy to play around with. And this was just a really good combination of, you know, straight up scares. So definitely fitting in that horror bill, but also kind of a thrilling mystery. And yeah, it was pretty funny. I laughed out loud multiple times. Uh, so very well written uh, and also pretty, pretty like flawlessly edited, I would say. Tons of really cool um weaving in and out of the story in uh, some fun and different ways than I think we're kind of traditionally uh expecting when it comes to stuff like this. So all in all, I mean, just really hit on all cylinders for me. Uh the cast was fantastic like you said. Small scale story, um but kind of a an interestingly I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a very small story. It's just like we said, it's like the story of like you yeah, rent a house and then uh-oh, maybe something's not what I thought. And then there's like this kind of like grand scale that kind of forms as the story goes on without ever getting too big. So that was really fun to see. I was just very thrilled by this movie. Uh, short and sweet. Um, they got to the point and they nailed it. I can't wait to see what this writer director does next. Um, and yeah, I hope we see even more of this cast. Two of them I knew pretty well. And then our lead was someone that I hadn't really seen too much of. So. I just want more from like uh, this team because I was pretty blown away by it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said about the editing, too. I think they tell the story in a very unique way, especially for a horror movie. Um, And I was actually reading that Zach Craig, the director, the editing choices they make to tell the story were his favorite parts about what he wrote. And for two years, all the studios told him if they were going to make the movie, they would he would have to change the way he was planning to tell the story. And he refused to budge on that. So he got to make this movie the way he wanted to. It just took a little longer to get a studio behind him. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. I think it was a perfect runtime, like you said, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I, I have so many thoughts, so many things I want to get to. Um, way more thoughts than usual, I feel like I have coming out of a horror movie for the first time. Usually it's like, was it scary? Was it fun? That's, you know, kind of it for me. I'm not the biggest horror aficionado by any means. So the fact that, like, I'm kind of itching to talk about this one, I think that should be enough for people out there listening. They're like, should I see this? Like, not only do we recommend it, but we have a lot to talk about in the spoiler section. So ton of interesting stuff. So, I mean, it sounds like we all three agree pretty resoundingly. If you have not seen Barbarian, uh, go out and see it. Go out and support this one. Um, I think you'll really be glad you did. And I think without further ado, let's just go ahead and drop the official spoiler warning. Uh, We're about to get into it. Get your butts in a theater for this one because it's a great start to spooky season. So I feel like we're so used to having a nice, robust uh, cast and crew segment to start off our spoiler talk. But uh, here's another one. Pretty short and sweet. So Austin Keith, hit me with it. All right. So like we said, Barbarian is written and directed by Zach Kreger. Most of his career so far has primarily been as an actor. He has directed a few things. He's most well known for Miss March. Uh, but this movie is actually his writing and directorial debut. So this is the first movie he's both written and directed. And our score for the film is composed by Anna DeBridge. All right. And going into our cast, we have Georgina Campbell as Tess, Bill Skarsgård as Keith, and we got Justin Long as AJ 
and Matthew Patrick Davis as the mother. All right, guys, there's our long cast and crew there. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? I'm going to give two highlights. Uh, I thought Georgina Campbell was fantastic, especially for a horror lead. She's a very smart character. Uh, the way she plays Tess, you can really feel for her and, and the awkwardness of the situation she initially finds herself in. And then the way she's freaking out when she first discovers the basement in this movie, I just found like I could put myself in her shoes and she was acting the exact same way I would have been acting. And then I also want to give a shout out to Anna DeBritch who did the score for this movie. I think the way it's like those like deep kind of bass sounds and the way the score shifts the the second she takes her first step down into the basement, that's like a shifting point for the movie. And I thought the score was used so effectively in this film. Um, yeah, I'll also shout out Georgina Campbell. I liked everybody in this. I'm, I really didn't like one over the other. I think everybody was pretty equal. But uh, I, I'll shout out Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård as Keith. I kind of liked their their duo at the beginning and how like awkward it was and kind of how creepy you think Keith might be at the beginning. And then he kind of turns out to be that he's a, you know, a good guy. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see how they, how they kind of came together at this Airbnb and, and just like the, yeah, the pure awkwardness of, of them figuring out what they're going to do. Georgina Campbell has test trying to be safe and secure in this like weird neighborhood with this guy. She doesn't know. I, I like the beginning of this movie a lot with both those two. It was fun, too, seeing Bill Skarsgård in this role, because as an audience, that's an actor you're used to seeing kind of play more of the creepier characters. So it was a fun twist to see him actually be a good guy in this film. Yeah, I was telling Keith when we got out, I noticed that he was an executive producer on the movie. And I think the casting was completely intentional. I think they wanted people to feel like something really bad was going to happen whenever you have the guy that is so known for playing Pennywise. I think you just assume that he's probably going to be the villain. So, yeah, that really kind of... in a so I think an interesting way led to that beginning part of the movie having that extra anxiety and tension because you're just waiting for him to, I don't know, do something. <laughs> but it never came. So that was cool. Uh, I would, I mean, I guess I would just shout out literally everybody else we mentioned. I think Justin Long gives a great performance. I really like Justin Long. I feel like he's not in enough stuff. I think he's a really funny guy, but he also has shown in like past work that he can pull off like genre pieces and drama as well. Uh, his character is an absolute scumbag. Cannot wait to talk about the character, but his performance was great. And then, I mean, Zach Kreger, I think the person at the head of the whole thing, he, like Austin said, he's like directed stuff here and there, but this is the first time that he's writing and directing. And it's just, it's done with so much confidence. I mean, if you had told me this movie was like, I don't know, like the seventh movie from a director that you've heard of, I'd been like, yeah, makes sense. It just, it's so well put together. It's so crisp, so clean and yeah, like they go for, like we said, the horror, the thrills, and the comedy, and they kind of nail it, regardless of which part of that they're going for. So he did a great job. Then I would also shout out uh, his editing team. Like, like you said, Austin, apparently uh, he wouldn't budge on how they edited it, but still, you know, you got to have a great editor in place to execute on that vision. So shout out to that team as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody in like literally any role or like in front of the camera or behind it nailed it. I would say this is one of the best horror movies to come out in the last 10 years. I thought it was fantastic. And for this to be, you know, pretty much everyone's debut in this film. Uh, incredible. Can't wait to see more. Well, you know our thoughts. So let's check in with the critics real quick. Let's see what everybody else is saying about this one. Uh, Barbarian, unsurprisingly, received very positive reviews and currently has a 93% over on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is smart, darkly humorous, and above all scary. Barbarian offers a chilling and consistently unpredictable thrill ride for horror fans. And also, kind of a fun fact, this film only cost $10 million to make and is already almost at $20 million after two weeks of release. So it's on its way to turn a nice little profit for the studio and creatives involved. I'm really glad this one is making its money back and making a profit. I hope that shows that there is an appetite for these types of, of scary stories um, and, and to kind of let creators trust their vision and not have too much studio interference, um, especially coming off of a movie like 3,000 Years Along and like you referenced, Matt, where... There were some cool ideas, but really no one went to see that movie. I really hope this shows that audiences will go out and see a movie if it's well done and if there's good word of mouth and good marketing behind it. It's kind of cool, too. They made this on such a small budget. $10 million is not that much. Yeah, it definitely looked like it cost more. The set design is great, especially yeah. in that basement. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah, I was going to say, there's really only a few set pieces, just like the exteriors of the house, the basement, and then the tunnel. Um, and then a couple of scenes, you know, in the city. Um, so makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely cool. And like we talked about with, you know, movies recently, you know, 
it feels like something either has to be a hundred plus million dollars now or it's like ten. Um, and even there's some great like high budget movies. I feel like I don't know. I, I'm always more interested to see what somebody can do with like you know ten million dollars, which for a movie is very little. Um, and like we already said, it just not only can I appreciate that they're like already making their money back and then some. I'm just really happy that they for ten million dollars I made it look like it cost like fifty. So. Just just really exciting. Just really happy for everybody involved. You know, I don't know them <laughs> just because I was just impressed by what they pulled off. It's fun going to uh, watch a horror movie in theaters because you have like people, people talk a little bit more because they're like, oh, don't go in there. Don't go in yeah. there. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> well, Keith and I, there was only one part where Keith and I like, it got both of us at the same time and it's the first, we'll get into it later, but it's the first scare of the movie. And Keith and I like both screamed and like we like flailed our arms. So like we ended up like both like hitting each other with our arms because we just like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely was fun to be with an audience. Um, so let's just go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion. This is the main bulk of our show where each of us brings a couple points, just specific things that we want to talk about. Ugh, I can't wait to get into it. So who, who's going to start us off today? Yeah, so Keith, you kind of touched on this a little earlier, but the first act of this movie really builds tension and anxiety uh, so effectively for the audience. There's not really any scares here in this first kind of intro part, but at least for me, I was on edge the entire time and I kept waiting for that like jump scare that was going to get you. So I want to talk about that more because I think this is really one of the best parts of the film and, and really kind of gets you sucked into this world. Yeah, I like the, the beginning of this a whole lot, like I said earlier, like the duo between uh, Tess and Keith, but like just the like the very very beginning when she pulls up to the house and it's raining it's dark as shit out there and the only thing that's lit up is the actual Airbnb house but everything around it is dark and you just kind of assume that she's in a good neighborhood because the house that the Airbnb house looks like a good house a nice house so you just assume all the houses around it are probably nice too and it's in a good neighborhood um, and then we come to find out the next morning that it's like in the worst part of Detroit you could be in. Uh, everything's abandoned and run down and really scary. So yeah, I thought that was really cool how she's just standing out in the rain trying to figure out how to get in and all that. It's so relatable too because everyone's been in that situation trying to get the code pulled up on your phone to get the key and get into the house and then the lockbox doesn't always work. So yeah. I, I feel like it's, that's one of the most relatable things you can do to start your horror movie in today's day and age. I mean, my first thought was whenever like you look around and see all these houses around it, I was just like, well, then why the hell is this like pretty nice Airbnb here. Like, why is this like the only house here that's like livable? So it, it was like a nice little start to opening up that world, opening up those questions that were kind of, uh, you know, jumping around in my head. But, you know, she starts knocking on that door, ringing the bell or whatever. And then you just see like a little head peek out the window. It's like, uh oh. And then like they start doing like the exposition dump a little bit where it's like, oh, are, are you sure you're booked for this date? And it's like, yeah. And it's like, can I see yours? And then, of course, Bill Skarsgård's like, yeah, you, you can see mine, but let me go find my phone. And then you think, like, while she's, like, walking away, he's, like, going to go get, like, a knife or something and just kill her. So, yeah, they, they were playing with horror tropes for sure. Like, almost like a goofy extent in the beginning. But it, it, it was still, like, funny while also building tension. And then, like, I think you said it earlier, Keith, maybe it was you, Wilson. But in the middle of all of that, they're also kind of building a sweet little like, I don't know, first time bond slash relationship with these two characters. So you're really scared of Bill Skarsgård, but you also are like, well, they do have good chemistry. <laughs> so it was it was a weird line to walk. I thought that was another like horror trope they were going to go to of like, oh, Keith seems like a great guy. And then it turns out he's a psychopath or something. So um, I really like too in the beginning that Tess is like locking the doors. She's not taking anything he makes her or like not drinking anything. And for a horror lead being a very smart character and kind of doing everything that you like would be yelling at the movie to be telling the character to do. So I, I like that she didn't really kind of disarm herself until they found some common ground to connect on. And then that's kind of where they start their friendship. And it was cool how Keith, you know, now that we know he's a good guy, was also being kind of like, you know, assuring. He's like, hey, you can, I didn't want to open the wine without you being here because I, I wanted you to watch right. me open it. I know you didn't drink your tea. That's totally understandable. And so you can kind of take that one of two ways if you don't, before you know he's a good guy, you're like, okay, he's just pretending to be assuring or he, or he actually is being assuring, which he was. And looking back on it too, I liked kind of how awkward Keith was in the beginning too, because it's also a weird situation for him. Like he's got this stranger showing up at his Airbnb in the middle of the night. So now that we know who Keith is after seeing the whole film, it's like the way he acts in the beginning, while well, he's, he's a little weird and off-putting, like 
he's just kind of flustered, I think, and, and, and just being a little bit more awkward. Yeah, he's just socially awkward. Um, but yeah, also an incredibly weird like thing on his end, like you said, it's just like not only is it the middle of the night, but now he kind of feels almost compelled to like make her feel not not make her feel comfortable but also like entertain. So I don't know. It's probably like three in the morning and he's like trying to be nice. Like, look, you just take the bed because I'm going to be fe- I'm going to feel weird if you don't. But then she was like, I appreciate that. I'd like to. I accept your gesture, basically. But I have a thing where, like I don't want to sleep in like you sheets. It's like, OK, we'll we'll, we'll wash them. And then he's like, it's going to take an hour. So now it's like this um, like extra layer of awkward. Like, do we just sit here? I have this bottle yeah. of wine. I guess we could do that. But I want to make sure you feel comfortable with that. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was weird as fuck. And I was also laughing with Keith after we saw it because they put in enough work to make you feel weird about Keith. Like like skipping to like skipping ahead to whenever he's sleeping at night and he's having nightmares that are literally making him like do like the like like a comedy reaction, like, ah, ah, whoa, no, ah. <laughs> and she's like, Keith, and he's like, whoa, and he like wakes up. It's like, uh, okay. It's like you scared and, the shit out of me. Yeah, and then he also leaves that note in the morning, like he left early, and by the time he gets back, he like dies soon after. So we never know what he was doing. He just like is this guy that seems pretty nice, but then he has like very loud nightmares and has this mystery life that he never not mystery life but like he was just gone during the day i never told her where he was so they kept putting in work to make you feel weird about this guy but then by the time he gets his head bashed in by a naked monster <laughs> uh you're just like oh i guess we're never gonna figure out what was up with him <laughs> well he was like i think scouting out the neighborhood for his music troupe or something like oh, that you're so, okay you're right you're right i forgot about that i also liked how they made a point to show you she's locking all the doors until she has some wine in her and it's a little bit more disarmed and then she forgets to lock the door when she actually goes to sleep did you guys have a sense that something bad was going to happen then because as soon as i noticed that she didn't lock that door i was like ah oh, you're dead you're dead right now <laughs> I had a, yeah, I had a slight feeling that was going to happen, but then but then like we talked about when, once uh she wakes Keith up from his nightmare, I kind of had a feeling okay, so I don't think it's him. There's something else going on here. Especially when you see that door open behind her as mm-hmm. he's asleep on the couch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was a really good shot wherever she like wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like, "What the fuck's going on?" And like there's like a really nice well-framed shot where you see her from the bed like looking through the crack in the open door and you can just see part of like keith's head asleep on the couch so you know like okay i think you can see it going through her head it's like i guess it wasn't him unless he literally opened the door and then like ran back to the couch and like is pretending to be asleep but i don't know but i mean it just seemed like at the same time i was like okay maybe it's keith or is this just gonna be some boring like home intruder story like there's tons of scary movies like that and they're 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 good a lot of the time like uh-oh, it's like a home invasion from these mysterious people. Because at one point, like you said, like the door behind, like the basement door opened, there was a light. I think we even saw like a shadow or a figure there. So it's like, oh, okay. I guess somebody's just, you know, invading the home. But I was not prepared for what came after. <laughs> Do you guys have any theories on why the mother didn't um, hurt them then? Because I do establish she comes out at night. So if, if they're both right there, she she definitely walked past them. So why do you guys think she didn't attack them? I, I have a theory. I'm just curious if you guys do. Honestly, no. I'd have to think about it more and let it sit because I was caught off guard like later when they said, oh, the mother goes out at night to hunt. And I was like, oh, OK. So she isn't just confining herself to the basement. I guess that makes sense, I guess. But part of me was like, well, it makes sense that she lives under an Airbnb. So she has like an endless supply of victims or people that she wants to make her, you know, quote unquote children. So why would she need to go out and hunt at night? But then I was wondering if that tied in to like the neighborhood being so terrible. Obviously, Andre, the man that helps them later, he knows about her. Um, So yeah, there, there was tons of things. I was like, it felt a bit contradictory. It's like, oh, she preys on the people in the Airbnb, but she also goes out at night. So to answer your question, also, no, I don't know why she didn't just take them out then. So I'd, I'd like to hear your theory because I don't really have one. Yeah, my theory is I, I also don't think she's preying on people and hunting at night. I think she views all of her victims as her babies. And so I think she's patrolling the area to make sure that there's nothing dangerous out there. Um, and I think the reason she didn't attack them that night is, is because they were both asleep and when you're a parent and you have a sleeping baby, you don't want to wake the baby. So I think she just didn't want to wake up the ba- the quote unquote babies that were in her Airbnb. And they also say that 
she only freaks out when other people are freaking out. So since they were calm and sleeping, she may not have had a reason to like freak out and kill them. Yeah. She kills Keith clearly because he got freaked out and fought back as anybody would in that situation. Uh, if you're the first person to encounter her, you're probably dead because you're going to freak out and not play along. But I guess if you're Tess in that situation, you can like, gather your thoughts and figure out how to react. So yeah, so yeah, that, that all made sense. Um, I definitely thought it was a vampire thing whenever Keith comes crawling out of the hallway, uh, which was the scare that I was talking about. Whenever Keith comes out of the tunnel, like drastically, that's when Keith and I both are Keith on, on the show. That's when we both flung our arms and hit each other in the theater. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's like, oh, she bit me. So it, it quickly went from me thinking it was just a home invasion movie to a vampire monster movie. Like I thought it was a vampire for a while. And then. Again, I will keep saying I was not prepared for what came after. (laughs) Yeah, very, very surprising. And then just to put a button on the first act uh, in general of the movie, it's just like I I always love when a movie, whether it's like called a horror movie or not, whenever you're really fucking scared and they're building dread, the tensions building, you just feel really anxious and nothing technically has happened yet. Like really that moment that we're talking about whenever the mother shows up, like we're talking a little bit out of order. She shows up at the very end of the first act and like, yes, you do find like this creepy tunnel, but you're like, uh oh, it seems like maybe there's like there's somebody that's been kidnapping and keeping people here whenever you see the room with the bed and the and the camera. But that's when things like get scary, because before that, it was just like, oh, is this guy Keith going to hurt me? Like, it's just this like weird, goofy scenario. Like, oh, we've double booked an Airbnb. That's really the scary thing that happens in the movie until we get to the very end of the first act. But the fact that I was still scared the whole time because I didn't trust Bill Skarsgård. I thought he was going to do something bad. (laughs) So, yeah, I I was still scared the whole time, despite the fact that the monster comes in right at the end of this long section of the movie. I think it was like 40 minutes because I checked. I I don't usually check my phone in movies, but I was so curious. I was like, how long has it been? I think it had been like 40 minutes by the time the mother comes out and then we cut to Justin Long singing in the car. (laughs) By the way the movie's edited, they do give you a chance to kind of catch your breath as an audience. Like when she goes to her job interview, you kind of have a chance to calm down a little bit from being tense from the previous night. And then after you see the mother and it cuts to Justin Long and there's that California music and it's just a totally different like vibe. I like that this movie like takes you to these really high highs of being very scared and very amped up. And then you get a chance to kind of calm down and catch your breath too. I mean, the movie, yeah, they, they give you those moments to breathe, but they always end it or introduce another scary element. Like, yeah, whenever she goes to the job interview, it's like, okay, you know, we're in a different place. It's during the day. We're probably fine. But then at the end of that, Tess says where she's staying. And even the employer, the potential employer is like, oh, you shouldn't stay there. That was creepy. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they still introduce these creepy moments and then a different kind of creepy. But whenever you're meeting Justin Long in the car and he's singing, I was like, okay, yeah, this is weird. This is different. But then like two minutes in, they introduce like, yeah, you're being fired because we think that you raped your co-star. It's like, oh, God, OK, what, how am I supposed to feel about this character? So, yeah, even in those moments where it's like, ha, ah, you're still like put right back on edge almost immediately. So speaking of uh, the, the Justin Long element, I think that's a big part of this. Um, This movie feels like it is just a commentary on so many things. And I was surprised at how well it seemed to balance all of them like this. The people behind this movie clearly had a lot they wanted to explore, a lot they wanted to say, and they did it all of it in less than two hours. Like we covered the Airbnb controversy, uh, cancel culture, of course, rape and incest and a a whole lot, you know, even like talks of like gentrification and the opposite in these neighborhoods, like, you know, building up and then falling apart and why and how that may be. So what do you guys just take away in general from this like whole experience and kind of those elements of the story and characters? I thought these elements kind of took it past a horror movie and just made it more of an interesting movie because it actually had something to say. My favorite kind of example of this is Tess and Keith talk about how women have to handle a lot of situations differently than men do and how she had to come in here all cautious. But if Keith had showed up, he probably just would, like, would have walked in and not really kind of questioned anything. And then you actually see that play out. By the way, Tess handles the situation. And then later on, seeing how totally different AJ is, even when he finds the basement, he's like going down and measuring stuff. So I thought they did a really good job of introducing these themes and then actually like showing it play out on screen, too. AJ was dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> measuring yeah. every little inch uh, that he could find in the tunnel. 
Oh, that was hysterical. It was so funny. Our theater was laughing so hard. Yeah, whenever he, so was mine. He's not even bothered whenever he finds that like little side room with all the cages in it. Like you think you'd be like, why are there? I'm in this tunnel. Why are there dirty, rusty, like scary cages in here? And his reaction is like, oh, and then immediately it just cuts. And then he's like measuring the whole interior of that little side room around the cages. He just wants to know if he's going to get that extra square footage. <laughs> He's so like oblivious and just caught up in his own stuff that he d- it's not even occurring to him that something bad could have happened in this house too, which he cut the, the way Tess handled it. And she immediately is like, something is bad. Something bad happened here and we need to get out of here. And then even Keith is like, well, I got to see it. And so he goes back down there and then he goes, he goes further down into the tunnel. He doesn't even come back up to get Tess. So. Yeah, that was stupid too. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, Tess kind of ends up in danger because of the way other people handled these situations versus the way she did. Yeah, and it's definitely not lost on me that it's you know it's the ways that men handle it versus the way a woman handles it, and it kind of all tracks. And I even comment on that at points in the movie. But I, I think you know one of the most like scary, profound. Like, is this a ridiculous? redemption moment i hope not and then it all the way it all comes together at the end was so great i mean like because like i said whenever they introduce us to justin long we know him for about 30 seconds and he seems really fun and then they introduce that you know he's a alleged rapist and it's like oh my god uh and as the movie goes on it's like man we are following this guy through like a hero's journey are we gonna have to root for this guy and then by the time they get to the end and he he's pouring his heart out and he's like you know maybe i'm a bad guy Maybe I'm a bad guy or maybe I'm a good guy that just did, you know, one bad thing. And he's like crying and you're like, oh, maybe this is him like potentially sacrificing himself to, you know, do one last good thing or something. And then the second that, you know, he has an opportunity to sacrifice somebody else in order to (laughs) preserve his own life, he does it. Sorry, Tess. And just like throws her off a water tower. The character is a horrible person, but a very interesting character to watch in in a movie like this in going through a story like this, because. His actions track, you know, he's a bad guy, but his actions track throughout the whole movie. It's very consistent. I was also surprised they had a moment where he went out with a friend and he basically admits that, yeah, I I either sexually assaulted or raped this person. But he's not admitting it in that sense. He's just explaining what happened. And even his friend is like, okay, like (laughs) you realize that's not good what you did. That's not okay. (laughs) And he just doesn't seem to even... You don't recognize it. It's just a bizarre character to see in a horror film. I mean, I think you can make an argument that AJ is a more dangerous character in this movie than the mother is, because uh, AJ is a bad guy who thinks he's a good guy and everyone loves him, which makes him a very dangerous person. Like he actively hurt his co-star and still thinks that she enjoyed it and that they should still be able to work together. Even when he's having that moment of like, oh, maybe we might redeem him, he he does land on, I think I'm a good guy that just did a bad thing. So he can never kind of be aware of his actions and and how much he is hurting other people in this story. Versus the mother who's just a victim of her situation, who was a result of, of this Frank guy raping and, and hurting people and then raping children. And then that's how she gets created. So she's just raised in this environment where She's in the dark all the time. It seems like the only thing she has is either her father's violence or that video of, of women nursing their babies. So she has these two uh, very big extremes, and that's all she has to like kind of default to is either nursing or extreme violence. Yeah. I mean, AJ, he's just so desperate and just, yeah, just a douchebag that he, he doesn't even give a shit that he's in a like a creepy ass tunnel b- below a house that he's owned and has no idea that how the Airbnb service has even been working this entire time. He's just been, I know. he's just been receiving the money this entire time. He didn't even know that this house was in the middle of a shit show of a neighborhood. This guy was just so oblivious to so many things in his, in his life. That's a really good point. Cause a lot of the stuff that has been happening since he purchased the property is a little bit on him. Cause he didn't do his due diligence. He just took the profits from whatever he was getting. And then tries to take advantage of extra square footage if he can. Yeah. <laughs> He just gets excited by the idea that maybe he can get extra money from this extra square <laughs> Not for sure, but maybe. And he also thinks someone's actually going to use that space. Yeah. Like, imagine yeah. showing this house. Like, he's like, this is great. This adds so much value. <laughs> yeah. That's, the minute they show that to an inspector, they're going to call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although uh, we did see the cops in this movie, Keith. They might not actually do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe AJ gets away with that one. Uh Going back to the mother, I mean, it is also comparing the mother to AJ. That is a really good point, Austin, because like AJ, when given the opportunity, sacrifices Tess 
because maybe going back to his whole maybe philosophy, <laughs> maybe he'll get away. Uh, but then in a, in like a kind of a goofy, scary, like all the, all the above type of shot, we see the mother when given the chance immediately sacrifices herself to save Tess as she's falling. Uh, and the mother even seems kind of okay with Tess killing her after that. Maybe knowing that it's kind of like you said, the mother doesn't try and kill people, but the second somebody she's trying to nurse freaks out, she does kill them. So maybe in that moment, there was kind of like this weird thing where like Tess was like, I don't want to kill you. You just saved me. I kind of understand what you're going through now, but I have to kill you because whether you mean to or not, you're going to hurt other people that come here if I let you live. So and, and watching the mother in that in that performance there at the end, it seemed like they were kind of OK with getting shot there. So very interesting monster. I guess, you know, it's kind of the whole thing of like, who's the monster of this horror movie? And some, sometimes it's the mother, sometimes it's AJ. And I kind of liked how it flipped back and forth. And arguably the main monster is Frank, because that guy is just right. despicable. Oh, yeah. That little cutaway to Frank's journey, just like going shopping in the 80s for uh, some plastic sheets, I think he says, and diapers. And then just that shot of him going back to the house and opening that basement door and going down is like, I'm scared. I don't like this. <laughs> and then and not until AJ finds him and you know what's going on. It's like, oh, God. And and when AJ finds him, you see how many VHS tapes he has. So he's been active and doing this stuff for years and years and just is now at a point where he is confined to the basement because of his own health. Um, but what did you guys take from the fact that he offs himself the second he gets the gun? I don't know. Uh, I'd like to talk that out like in real time with you I guys think, right now because I don't I don't know. I think is whenever Justin Long, AJ, you know, finally comes to his senses like in the danger, dangerous situation that he's in. Um, he starts spouting to Frank. He's like, I'm going to have to get, you know, I'm going to have to alert the police and get them down here and show them all this stuff. And I think that uh, kind of, I think when he said that to Frank, Frank kind of was like, oh shit. Like they got me. Yeah. Frank is like, oh shit. They've, this might be it. Also just the idea that he was there. Cause that comes after we've gotten the flashback. So then we just cut here. We, in another one of the best shots of the movie, uh, AJ running through the tunnels and he just turns around. He's reached this door. And like he turns and like we're just looking down the tunnel and you just see the mother like slowly come in from the darkness. But then she gets scared and she. Yeah, she doesn't even want to go to that room. Yeah, she knows that room is bad. And then once he goes into the room, we find Frank is there. I didn't even know how he was. I guess he just confines himself to this room. Does he have enough supplies in here? I don't know. Like kind of goofy. There was a bell on that wall. I I took it as he rings that bell when he needs something. And I would assume the mother brings it to him. Just maybe leaves it outside or something. Yeah, like the yeah. water water bottles that he had. Interesting. I also thought it was interesting when the homeless man eventually initially saves Tess. He goes, she's not even the worst thing down there. And we hadn't met Frank yet at that point. So that was, I, whenever he said that, I was like, oh my God, what else is down in this tunnel? Yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe he was talking about the scary room where they have one bed frame and then a TV that just plays nursing videos all day. Because that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I did not like that. <laughs> I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but I do want to talk about our initial uh, descent first into the basement and then, of course, into the tunnel. So just kind of take me through you guys' head whenever we first find all this stuff in the house. Yeah, I think when she finds the tunnel, I was like, oh, no, like this is this is going to be this is going in a different direction. Than I thought it was going to be. I thought once we kind of figure out that Keith is we think that he's a good guy. I'm like, OK, this house is clearly haunted. So I'm like maybe the whole maybe the whole neighborhood is just like a purgatory for ghosts or whatever, and that's why this Airbnb has some weird things going on, like the doors opening up and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was the first thing I was thinking. I was like, okay, this place is haunted. But as soon as they go down into the tunnel, I'm like, okay, it's not haunted. There's something. There's something living down here. When she starts taking her steps down, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> this is not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I can, the movie is told so well and like the stakes keep rising so steadily that I mean, I can just picture, I can close my eyes and picture like a whiteboard in the writer's room where they just like wrote basically like step one through, I don't know, maybe 10. And it's all just like events that keep happening. Obviously, the whole inciting incident is like, oh, we double book this Airbnb. Sorry, what do we do? And then we discover the basement and then we discover the hidden door and it's like, OK, this is kind of creepy. And then we discover the room with the bed and the camera. And then I like I said earlier, I go from, oh, this is a home invasion movie to somebody bad is living here and they are potentially kidnapping and holding the Airbnb residents here. Oh, but wait, there's another door. 
even more stairs. We're going further under the house. Uh Uh-oh, Keith got bit. Is this a vampire movie now? And then we cut. And then by the time AJ, you know, I don't know, skip ahead 30 minutes in the movie. And now he's investigating the basement. That's when we get to go further down the tunnel. That's when we see this creepy pink room with like nursing videos playing on repeat. What's that about? And then we go further and then we get trapped. And then that's when an alive Tess introduces, oh, just let her be your mom. And then we see a horrifying looking bottle filled with milk <laughs> that watching her drink that I wanted to throw up. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean. I'm not, I'm not going to walk through the entire plot, but you guys understand what I mean. It's just like yeah. they keep raising the stakes slowly and slowly, keep introducing elements of the house and now a tunnel. And then there's these weird side rooms. And like the mother is, of course, introduced among that whole thing. So like my mind, literally every time they gave us a, like a bit more of information, essentially, I was like, my mind flipped. Like, like I already said, I went from in the span of what, like an hour. I was like home invasion. Oh, kidnapping Airbnb people. Vampires. Like, Oh, wait, who is this creepy naked lady? And then it, obviously we know where it culminates. But yeah, I mean, they kept me on my toes the whole time. Like I, I could never have anticipated how this movie would have ended or what like the actual threat ended up being. I mean, it was just told so well. This movie made me so scared of doors. Because every time someone finds a door, there's always something worse on the other side. Like even just the initial basement door. And when she's looking for toilet paper and you see the toilet paper at the, the base of the stairs. That's like, literally oh. what gets her to go down there in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, God, she's, go- she's going in. And then we find the door to the room with the bed. And you think that's it. I didn't even realize there was another door at the other end of that wall. And then, of course, whenever Keith goes in there, then he finds the tunnel. And then we, the audience, you know, see the, the next door that takes you deeper and deeper and deeper down. Uh, into this chasm so I, I just i love the way it keeps unfurling and there's always more uh it never really like reaches a point where we've learned everything i think even up until the final like closing minutes you're still learning something new about the story going back to i guess just the tone of the movie in general uh i kind of said at the beginning but i just love horror is just a genre that's ripe for adding subgenres to it essentially or like combining things it just It seems to work more often than not, I feel like. And I think the one that works the most often is obviously horror and comedy, whether it be just a straight up spoof or just having more of a scary movie, just injecting a few uh, funny moments into it. Uh, So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that here. I wouldn't call this one 50-50 by any means. It's definitely more scary. But when those funny moments hit, they hit me pretty hard. I wasn't just like chuckling. I had like at least two moments where I was laughing out loud. So is there anything that you guys wanted to talk about more? Could be about this movie or just like, you know, what you like about horror and comedy uh, in general. I think the best thing about when horror movies use comedy is is if the horror movie itself is, is super scary, then the comedy does kind of give you a second to relax and gather yourself and, and make you ready to go to the next portion of the scary part of the movie. Like you said, that there are definitely parts in this movie where I was laughing out loud, where the theater was laughing out loud. And so to balance both of those as a, as a writing and directing team. That's really hard to do to one, make your movie very scary, and then at the same time, make it funny enough that you actually have audible reactions from the audience. That's something I've always liked about the Scream movies is that they've combined like slasher with comedy. Yeah. The Scream, the Scream guy or whoever's behind the mask is like always like falling over stuff. They're usually like uncoordinated most of the time and they're always like falling over furniture and even like the phone calls that they make like, hello, Sydney, where are you? And like they're always kind of <laughs> funny, uh, but then still kind of scary too when they show up out of nowhere and, you know, kill somebody. It's like, oh shit. But yeah, in this movie, there's definitely some funny stuff like we talked about the measuring scene. The scene whenever they are, the hobo guy picks them up and is taking them to his little warehouse place where he lives. And they're sitting by the fire and they ask, they ask him, it's like, she's not going to come in here, right? And he's like, oh, that motherfucker ain't never coming here. And right after it's he's been just, 15 years. <laughs> and right after that, she plows through the door and rips, like, his, rips arm his arm off and beats him to death with it. Is she going to come in here? No way. And then, of course, immediately. So good. Yeah. Uh, staying on the horror side of things, I, I do think typically... The scariest thing in horror movies is usually the unknown um, because it's, you know, your mind is always going to be more scarier than what plays out on screen typically. And usually when you actually see the monster or the scarier thing in the movie, the movie tends to get marketably less scary just because you know it's out there and there's not that fear of the unknown. I was pretty surprised when they reveal the monster in the first half of this film and we still have, you know, the second half to go. But I thought they really effectively found the way to, to show you the monster and then still keep that tension and scariness up there for the for the back half of the movie. Well, and just how gross she was. And when she's getting 
like closer like to their faces and like like kind of like patting them and like stroking their faces like they're little babies and doing her little <laughs> bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and it, and then oh the scene whenever she makes Dustin Long's AJ you know suck on her tit ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah, that, that was, was that was hard to watch. Yeah, it's because you know they introduce this movie monster essentially like forty minutes into what we're what we're watching, and you don't really know anything about them except that she brutally kills uh, Keith's character or Bill Skarsgård's character. So you're just like, uh oh, that's what we got to watch out for. But then as the movie goes on, it's like sometimes she just like as Tess says, you just got to play along, let her, you know, nurse you or you know be a baby essentially. And if you do that, then maybe we can get out of here. Uh, so you just don't know if she's going to kill you or try and, you know, be your mom. It's weird. <laughs> so, yeah, even though they introduce the the monster, like this, the scares and that tension you mentioned never go away because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, ugh. And then they still, like you said, they introduced Frank. They introduce a worse character, like something even more evil. So, yeah, you just never really know what to do. Like, you can't, you can't let your guard down with this movie. When AJ refuses to take the bottle and she drops down into the cage with them. That was really scary. And nothing really happens in that scene, but just having her, like the thought of being in there in this tiny cage with that thing is like so terrifying to think about. I was left with some questions at the end and I'll bring up a couple of them to you. One of them being, was there anything you guys think that was behind Keith and uh, Tess getting the Airbnb booked at the same time? Do you think there was like, do you think Frank maybe was involved like in the Airbnb process at all? And maybe like did that on purpose. What I got from it was Keith booked on uh, VRBO and Tess booked on Airbnb, and those two systems obviously don't talk to each other. And it it seems like based on AJ's phone call with the property owners or the property management that it's not the most competent people managing this property. So because it was booked on separate apps, they didn't confirm that they were booking on the same weekend. But it's fun that you can think that it could have been something else like maybe frank even in his old age is still somehow able to you know create these type of situations that'll bring more people here that will either like satisfy the mother enough that the mother won't bother him or maybe he can still terrorize these people if he's still if he's not getting caught then maybe he can you know keep doing what he's doing so yeah i mean honestly you know scary both ways yeah there's to me there's something scarier about it just being an accident because it makes it more like anybody can find themselves in this situation. Yeah. There's also tragedy to it. It's like, oh, okay, Keith died because of an accident, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, there is like, so that, that scary element of it too, which yeah. just fills out the world in a really great way. My second question to you guys was, how many people do you all think know about the mother? Because the hobo obviously knows about the mother. And whenever um, Tess, you know, is done with her interview, the, the lady doing the interview Ask her, oh, where are you staying? And she's like, I'm staying in Brightmore. And the lady just like face drops. She's like, you're staying in Brightmore? Like, you can't be you there. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be there. Not like, not like, like, you know, if someone told me they were staying in a bad part of Houston, I'm like, oh, that's a bad part of Houston. Like, you gotta be careful. Not that kind of reaction. It was like, hey, you cannot be there. Like, you, sh- you can't be there. It's like, so I wonder like how many people know about the mother. This whole neighborhood's gone. Do you think the mother is the cause of it or the, or the neighborhood went bad and the mother just happened to be in the bad neighborhood? I think it's the latter because th- even in the flashback, uh, Frank's neighbor says, neighborhood's going to shit. We're leaving. Frank, of course, is yeah. never leaving because he's got his, his house of horrors down there. I think the mother is just born into that cave. And so she's always been down there from, from the time she came about. Um, as for how many people know about that's that's harder to say. I mean, clearly, at least one person does know about it. And it's that's that homeless man that we meet. I don't think the potential employer actually knows about the mother. I just think she knows that's a neighborhood that's kind of been like forsaken and there's really not anything there. And she's surprised that there's even an Airbnb existing in this neighborhood. It's a good question. I, I read the, I read that part the same way Austin did. And I was talking to Keith about that too. I think the employer, maybe it was just, they exaggerated her response, like for the terms of like, uh, like dramatization like they just wanted to make it like a creepier moment or something to have her say it that way i don't think she actually knows about the mother but it does beg your question it's like the cops obviously didn't or else they would have done something uh, theoretically but andre the homeless man does and like like he says you know she goes out hunting at night where is she going like how far does she have to go because there's clearly no people in the immediate area like does she only like go after homeless people and again it's like like we said the mother clearly doesn't intend to kill people 
Like, let's say she goes out at night and she stumbles across somebody. Like, has she killed most of those people? Or are there people out there that she has, like, she's, like, just run into, like, by happenstance. And then, like, maybe they survive that encounter, whether by getting away or just going along with what she wants. Uh, So, theoretically, if, as Andre says, she goes out hunting at night. So, there should be a ton of people out there that know about this neighborhood and what goes on there. And I guess they just stay away. So it's kind of an interesting conversation. I mean, there's got to be more people that know. I wonder if it's just in this world, it's just kind of a thing that it's an urban legend for this neighborhood. Like there's this rumor out there that there's a monster that stalks uh, Brightmore, but nobody actually has, can confirm it. So it's just like this legend that like law enforcement doesn't really believe. They think it's just like crackheads and homeless people that tell the story. I, I could see it kind of being that sort of thing. Yeah, which, oh man, it sucks for Tess because when she finally does escape, she probably does look like a crackhead since she's in this bad neighborhood. She's covered in blood, she's dirty. Yeah, sleep deprived, everything, and uh, it was just such a terrible moment. I felt so bad for her when she's trying to get their attention. It's scary when she's gotten away and then the police drop her off back at the house and leave her there. It's like, oh, she was away and now she's back in the situation. Yeah, it's just another example of like... There's another thing scarier than the mother down in the basement, like the fact that like the people that are supposed to protect you end up not only doing nothing, but they just drop you back off at like the place that you're most scared of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's horrifying. Uh, I think I think the whole element that we've talked about it a lot, like victim of circumstance, is kind of a big part of this movie, both in terms of our Airbnb residents and the mother herself. It's kind of an interesting theme to explore in a horror movie. I feel like. You can very easily survive this encounter, but <laughs> how would you know how? <laughs> it's just, it's kind of a weird element. And then like, like you said, like a way earlier, Austin, you still feel bad for the mother, even when the credits roll, because just a product of decades of rape and incest by this horrible person. So it's like, you feel bad for everybody. Uh, so except AJ, I was glad when AJ got his eyes gouged out. In the AJ end. deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a cathartic moment for sure. Keith and I were laughing because uh, it felt like they did like a Jeepers Creepers callback to like like the last shot with with Justin Long with his eyes just gone. They're like, <laughs> let's let's call back to that, and then like we watch a close up of her just gouging his eyes out. Ugh, creepy. The original Jeepers Creepers director is also a monster with a history of assault and stuff. So I think he was a ped- I think he's a pedophile also. Ooh. Maybe that's a reference in and itself. Ugh, God. Well, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> well, let's talk about the uh, the ending real quick. I mean, with uh, we we touched on it a little bit with with Tess shooting the mother and AJ throwing Tess off the building to sacrifice. What did y'all think about all that? And what did you what did you think like the mid credits like shots of Tess like walking down the street having after having survived all of this? I'm scared the mother survived the gunshot. Because we've seen this creature survive so many other things. I, I don't know for sure if the mother's actually dead. I thought it was a great ending, just ending on that loud bang, and then the credits come up. I won't talk too much about the AJ stuff, because I know I already did. Like I said, I just really liked how the contrast of the scenes of him like apologizing and like being introspective about maybe who he is as a person, maybe accepting he's a bad guy that's done horrible things, but maybe there's w- room for one last good action. And then when that opportunity comes to save Tess, he instead throws her off the top of a water tower. But like I said, I liked that it tracked and I liked that he got his comeuppance. I like that he is brutally killed right after that. I felt I was like fist bumping when he died. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as for like the very, very end, I guess you could read it one of two ways. Like maybe she was I mean, she literally did sacrifice like her own, you know, body and safety to save Tess, who was falling. Um, so I guess you could read it like she wants to take Tess back to the tunnel, wants to take her back to the house and like continue to nurse her and you know quote unquote raise her like be have this be her baby or whatever but like i said the way they shot it the way the mother was acting i think there's an equally like understanding way of reading it where she is okay with dying like tessa's holding the gun like the mother's kind of like cradling both her hand and the gun so it almost seems like maybe she's guiding her to do it maybe she's like i think i'm ready to go i think there's elements of both of those options there uh, the only thing I'm scared of is to your point, Austin, we, we do get kind of the comical, not comical necessarily, but maybe the cliche, I should say, uh, bang, and then roll credits. Could we get a barbarian too? Maybe the movie's doing well. It has great word of mouth. They could do a thing where like the mother survives, comes back, and then you bring in new characters. Maybe Tess hears about it, has to come back and 
finish the mother once and for all. Like, there you go. I just I, I just pitched you exactly what the uh, uh, execs are thinking right now. <laughs> it's the exact thing that they're thinking. So they could do that. I don't want them to. I My hope and theory is just that the mother's dead. And then in those mid uh, credit shots that you mentioned, Keith is just showing fucked up Tess's from that whole experience. But she might she got out safe, hopefully. Zach Kreger has come out and said if there's a prequel or a sequel, he will not be attached to it. He's happy leaving the story where it is. He did make a joke saying that I would like to see a, a comedy made by a different team where the mother has to integrate into society and is on Tinder. <laughs> That's funny. Turn it from an Airbnb movie to a, a dating horror movie. That'd be funny. <laughs> I would like to see like more movies like with modern, like using modern apps. So like this, this one was Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Like they should do like a Tinder. Maybe, or maybe yeah. they already have. I don't know. Like a Tinder horror movie. Or a Hinge or Bumble or something like that kind of horror movie. There's a great opportunity for it, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Usually it's it's done so well here. It usually comes off as like gimmicky in horror movies, but it's so effective here. There's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Just needs the right team and that right balance. I feel like, like you know, this movie had tons of comedy in it, like we said. So it almost, I don't know, it made it feel more realistic, kind of natural. And we accepted that this is just like a movie, a horror movie about an Airbnb situation. I feel like if you have a good amount of comedy in there. You can kind of tackle any of these apps or these weird kind of sounding stories. Well, guys, that wraps up our roundtable discussion. I thought that was a great one. I'm glad we finally got to break this one down. I was itching to talk about it ever since we saw it the other night. Uh, so much fun. That. So much fun. So yep. much fun indeed. Uh, but yeah, before we fully close out, it's time for our Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is our end of the episode segment where we just pick something. Can be positive, can be negative. doesn't really matter what it is. It's just something that we feel deserves very specific praise. So, Austin and Keith, please start me off with this prestigious honor. Yeah, I have an award for Keith. Uh, not our Keith, the Keith played by our dearly beloved Bill Skarsgård. I'm going to be giving the most questionable teeth brushing habits to Keith in this movie. They show you multiple times that he leaves his electric toothbrush plugged in on the ground of the I bathroom. Like that. <laughs> and that is gross. It's the scariest thing in this movie. That was pretty gross. Yeah, that's collecting like dirt and like shit particles. <laughs> that's a good call. That was pretty disgusting. Honestly, when Tess walks into the bathroom and sees that, that should have been her sign to get the hell out of that house. Yeah, she should have sprinted out. The mother probably like use it too. Like when she's going Ew. up and <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Teeth brush. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give the... The most nauseous filled moment award that goes to Tess drinking the mother's the bottle, and I gave this a similar award out to um, to Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, in uh, the Last Jedi when he was drinking the, like yeah. the the juice out of the tit of that weird monster, <laughs> the, green, the green milk. <laughs> the worst thing about that bottle is there's like a single hair. On the I know of it. Ugh, that one hair was bothering me. <laughs> I'm going to give my award to uh, something I feel very close to and very passionate about. It is uh, the most comically troubled man, and that goes to Bill Skarsgård's Keith. Like, I, I still can't get over that he's literally sleeping on a couch. He's like, oh, ah! no, oh! <laughs> it's like, come on. Can we have a little bit of, like, subtlety when it comes to having a nightmare? Oh, I thought that was so funny. Something like An- Anakin from, uh, from Attack of the Clones. <gasps> no. And no, you will not take her from me. <laughs> and he's mad that she woke him up, but he's got to be self-aware at this point that he is a very loud dreamer. Ah! Probably should have warned her about that. He takes so much effort to make her feel comfortable. He should have been like, hey, I scream in my sleep, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't just snore. I scream in well, my sleep. It pissed me oh off that God. Tess didn't just tell him that. He's like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, I'm so sorry. You're I'm so screaming. Sorry. Yeah, I would have been like, you're <laughs> screaming really loud right now in your sleep. You know that, right? <laughs> I have a job oh, interview. Fuck. I can't oh. get any sleep because of you, Keith. Well, that's going to cover our conversation on Barbarian. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for another exciting episode. This time. Ooh, we've been talking about big movies lately, talking about small movies lately. We've been talking about Marvel lately. And now, as my friend Austin, I know, is the most excited for, it is time to go back to a galaxy far, far away for Star Wars because Andor is premiering its first three episodes next week. So we're going to talk about it after that. So 
Looking forward to that. I'm somebody that doesn't really like Rogue One very much. My main reason is because I didn't care about any of those characters. So the idea of doing a prequel, I get to find out more. Pretty excited. I mean, the set pieces look incredible. Practical effects, thank God. Uh, cannot wait. I'm actually very stoked for this one. Yeah, I'm actually extremely excited for this one. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. Can't wait to get back into this world. Uh, can't be any worse than the Obi-Wan show, at least. So at the bare <laughs> minimum, it should be better than that. And finally, we want to hear from you guys. So please feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of the Barbarian? Will you ever use Airbnb again? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. This was a blast of an episode to do, one of my favorites in a while. Uh, so yeah, let us know your thoughts. Have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time with Andor. <sighs> I, I can't overstate it enough. In the meantime, do not use Airbnb. Do not use it. And if you do, do not put that toothbrush on the ground because that's even worse than what Airbnb does. I'll be your baby anytime. Ew. 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 <laughs>